0: presented by the Common Sense Institute. Welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Arizona's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Common Sense Institute podcast. I'm Katie Ratliff, the Executive Director of the Common Sense Institute Arizona, and your guest host for today's show. I'm joined today by two leaders uh, from the voice for Arizona's business community at the state capital and in Washington, D.C., the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry. I want to welcome Danny Seiden, the Chamber's president and CEO, and Courtney Coolidge, the vice president of government affairs. Welcome, Danny and Courtney.
0: Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having having me and and Courtney on to Common Sense Institute, one of our favorite think tanks out there. So very excited to do this today.
1: Thanks, Danny. Oh, I want to congratulate you both on uh, your many accomplishments this legislative session uh, to ensure that our business climate in Arizona remains one of the most competitive in the country. Um, And I want to congratulate you also on celebrating the Arizona Chamber's 50th anniversary this year. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of look back on the last 50 years of Arizona's economy because did you know when the Arizona Chamber was founded in 1973, Arizona's population was just 2 million people. About half of those people lived in Phoenix. We wouldn't get a professional baseball team for about another 25 years or a professional football team for another 15. The Phoenix Suns were only in their fifth season. Construction on the Central Arizona project, which, as I know you both know, uh, would allow Central Arizona to grow responsibly and use our full Colorado River allocation. Uh, That had only just begun in Lake Havasu, and the state's GDP was just about $12 billion. Tourism, interestingly, was beginning to emerge as a really important industry for the state, and the executive branch of Arizona state government had not yet moved into your favorite building, Danny, the state's executive tower, which would not be completed until the next year, um, and that was all done under then-Governor Jack Williams, and and we had not yet elected a woman to the state's highest office. So today, as I know you both are very familiar with, our population sits at over seven million people. Our GDP is 372 billion. We've had five female governors more than any other state in the country. And interestingly, tourism and manufacturing are still critical industries. We're leaders in water stewardship. We have several major sports teams. Um, We've hosted four Super Bowls, two different bowl games, Call Phoenix and Call Arizona Home. And we annually host Spring Training and the Phoenix Open. It's obvious our economy has diversified. It's expanded enormously. Manufacturing sector especially has seen explosive growth. We've got signature projects like Taiwan Semiconductor. We had that massive expansion by Intel a few years ago. So in my opinion, the last 50 years, this transformation has been the result of really good public policy, strong leadership from the business community, led, of course, by the chamber um, and elected officials at the state and local level over the last five decades. But I wanna know from you, the two of you, have been at the forefront of these issues what is your proudest accomplishment what what is the business community most proud of when you look back on this total transformation
0: great question thanks for laying out that wonderful kind of history brief brief history of the state of arizona going back the last 50 years and we are very excited to be celebrating our 50th year at the arizona chamber starting really this month so it'll be a lot more to come from us on that but, you know, I, I do think that Courtney should spend some time answering this question as our lead on advocacy and the best lobbyist, as I like to say, in the country um, that we have here. Because to your point, what's happened over the last 50 years doesn't happen without policy. You know, we say all the time at the Arizona Chamber that policy matters and um, the Arizona Chamber has played a big role in, in laying that out. Now, you know, it would be funny for me to try and take credit for the last 50 years when I wasn't even born yet, um, you know, at the Arizona Chamber. But what I can do is talk about the modern chamber. Going back, let's say, you know, just just 14 years to when Glenn Hammer first came in, my predecessor. I remember being a young attorney who was uh, the attorney for the chair of the chamber at the time, Steve Twist, uh, and going into meetings, looking at what was happening with the Great Recession, was 2008, and seeing how slow Arizona's economy was going to recover. And the people in that room were Glenn Hammer, fresh to the chamber, Kirk Adams, the young speaker. Uh, of the house and um, a few other, you know, associations and policymakers. But basically, we had this understanding that we need to change the way our state's economy worked. There needed to be diversification. We were a construction-based economy. We were a real estate-based economy, and that's just not 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 great. We weren't manufacturing-based. We had a lot of call centers coming in, but you know, not a lot in some some data centers, but not a lot of you know manufacturing, high-paying jobs. And so, really, under leadership of then Speaker Adams and the Chamber, they put forward a bunch of policies that weren't, I would I would not have bet they would have worked as well as they have, but they have, you know, targeting um, how to shape our economy to make it the most, which is also our mission to make it the most globally uh, competitive place to do business in the country, in the world, actually, you know, as we're saying now, because we are much more global. And they did. I mean, um, when you travel around, if you go to Taiwan, I think right now the Mayor of Phoenix, Mayor Guy, goes to Taiwan as we speak. She's going to hear that Arizona is internationally known as a place that's friendly and welcoming to business because of the regulatory environment that we've created, because of the tax environment we've created. And that really started with a meeting at the chamber, I would say, 14 years ago. And and I mean, a lot of it was executed under the prior governor, Governor Ducey. So far, so good with Governor Hobbs in terms of continued economic momentum.
2: Danny covered a lot of the big picture items, but I will just say that every year the chamber has a robust agenda at the Capitol. Like Danny talked about, we focus in the areas of tax reform, simplifying the tax code for businesses, reducing regulations on businesses, and you know, targeting incentivize, incentives to diversify our economy. So we do a lot every year, and I think those small changes um, have made a big difference throughout the 15 years, but ultimately the 50 years the chamber has been in business.
1: Well, you both bring up some great points that the transformation has been the result of really intentional, really strategic, both targeted and broad policy changes that have been made over the years. And I know mostly what the chamber focuses on is advancing good policy. But very recently, we were able to partner with your 501c3 arm, the Arizona Chamber Foundation, to jointly release a report on some bad policy because stopping bad ideas is also a really important part of maintaining a competitive economy. So I wanna talk a little bit about this report that we worked on together um, that we've we've called the 2023 Arizona Job Killers List. Danny, what's a job killer?
0: You know, a job killer is any policy that would burden businesses, hurt our economy, and ultimately kill jobs in Arizona. These include bills that impose new taxes, costs, administrative, and regulatory mandates on businesses. This session, as you said, we identified, I think, 67 job killing bills. And I think, you know, we'll probably get into more of this later, that when the Common Sense Institute researched what that impact would be economically, it would have imposed 25 billion in annual costs on businesses. And these bills included, I mean, just 15 billion in tax increases alone and in what was stopped this year. And now everyone's like, well, you know, bills get stopped every year. So why are we talking about the parade of horribles? Well, I think Arizona's at this um kind of like inflection point where you know, we have a split government for the first time in over a decade with a Democrat governor and a Republican majority in both the House and Senate. And I think we can see what the value of that split government is right now when you look at these bills and how they're being stopped and going forward. I think if you, one party controlled, you know, it would not be great for us right now. I think you, as CSI did very well in this report, and I have a lot of members who are excited to read it, you comparing the trust what happened in another state. So we're not talking about intangible hypotheticals. We've seen how this played out. We've seen what this looks like. Um, If we don't pay attention to the bills that are being introduced, because people need to think through, well, what does life look like if uh, these things aren't stopped and they are passed all of a sudden? You know, and a lot of times, because Republicans who control the the House and Senate don't allow these bills to even have hearings. If they had hearings, people get a little bit more nervous about it. But I think we have to pay attention now. I think everyone should be looking at who's introducing what bills and what the value to the split government really is to the state and its economy.
1: Well, Danny, you bring up a great point. And Courtney, I wonder if you can expand a little bit. We, we looked in the report at the comparison between Arizona and Colorado. That's a benefit of the Common Sense Institute Arizona. Our sister organization at the Common Sense Institute in Colorado has done a lot of great work. A number of these policies have been enacted in Colorado and the Common Sense Institute has played a leading role in tracking the impact that they've had on
2: Colorado's economy. Colorado used to be a competitor. Are they today? I would say no, not today, Katie. If you look back the last two decades, which you can see in the report, Colorado and Arizona were on remarkably similar growth trajectories. um, And that has changed dramatically. Um, You can look at the policies identified in this report. Colorado in the last since 2019 has enacted 17 job killing bills since then their economy has uh, slowed dramatically while arizona's has not and in fact in some sectors has accelerated specifically in manufacturing um but over in uh, colorado net migration collapsed um, multiple sectors of the economy declined, including healthcare by 86%, um, manufacturing by 50%, um, and the natural resources sector. While Arizona was reducing regulation, Colorado has been enacting these job killing legislation, and their economy has uh, suffered as a result. So, uh, a lot of this report is we want to show what not to do here in Arizona, and that these policies have real consequences.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, as Danny pointed out, the report found that enacting all 67 of these job-killing bills would result in $25 billion less of GDP in Arizona. It would result in $15 billion in tax increases. And if we had grown, to Courtney's point, at the same rate as Colorado over the last few years, we would be $9.5 billion smaller. So Danny, in terms of our economy, we we looked at a broad range of different bills obviously direct tax increases fee increases regulatory increases but one part of the report that i know you are probably especially familiar with are bills that would result in increased cost of litigation for Mm. businesses why does that concern the business community why does that keep you up at night
0: when companies are looking to expand, grow, um, invest in the state, the legal and regulatory environment are one of the top three things that they will look at, because that is a good indicator of what the cost of doing business is and how friendly it is. You know, there's a great quote, it's like a tribute to five economists, so I'll leave it unattributed, that capital goes where it's most wanted and stays where it's most welcome. And that, that, you know, your litigation environment is a sign of how welcome people are here to, to do business. In Arizona, has a unique constitution, Katie, as you're aware of. We have something called the abrogation clause, which most other states don't have. We were a very progressive state when we came in. And so what it says is you're not allowed to remove the right of a person or a party to um, make a recovery. Under any kind of damages, if it existed at the time. You know, if, if these all broadly exist at the time when our constitution came into place, you can't do anything to infringe upon that sort of a constitutional amendment. You can imagine, I think there's been, I don't know, 180 attempts to change that provision of the constitution over the years and they failed every time. So that puts us at a little bit of uh, a disadvantage. And so we have to make sure we don't do anything to make that worse. And the chamber has worked really hard to stop a lot of bills. And so when you see a bill that has a new mandate on a company dealing with something like workplace safety which is traditionally handled by workers comp but it has mandatory you know penalties to be paid out a new private right of action I mean I think that's in the chambers Bible we fight against every private right of action new private right of actions out there just like mandates and so you know we saw a lot of those bills this year and that's scary coming from both sides of the aisle you know new mandates new private rights of action and that's um that's something we worry about something we're very concerned about we think it's on us at the chamber to educate not only the the voters, but also the new elected officials on, you know, hey, is this the proper role of government? Are you interfering in the private right of contracting here? Let's think this through because you're not always going to be in power and you can't set a precedent that a different um, party could come along and change. So.
2: Katie, I would just add that America is the most litigious country in the world, and so creating new private rights of action, creating new ways to sue businesses is not helpful, especially when a lot of these bills in this report are duplicative ways to sue businesses. So we're clogging up the court system, slowing the process for actual victims, and causing uh, administrative and compliance costs on businesses. Also, keep in mind that Arizona is home to mostly small businesses. 99% of our businesses are small businesses, and any increased costs on their business diverts money away from investing in their employees, uh, investing in expanding, uh, allowing for pay raises. All of those contribute to economic decline. So this is why policy matters.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And because you brought up employees and workforce, there's another section of the report that has to do with increased labor costs Mm -hmm. and various proposals um, that have been introduced in this state to increase the cost of a workforce and the cost of labor. Uh, What kind of impact do you expect that would have on Arizona's economy if we were to enact um, some of these policies that make one of the biggest drivers of a business success, I imagine their workforce more expensive
0: you know, Katie, if we were to pull the chamber of membership, which is the largest employers um, across the state and ask them what their number one issue, almost to a, a T, they would say labor and, you know, labor shortages, labor costs. So right now, um, this is already something we're struggling with. You, I mentioned it once already, we're competing globally. So you mentioned the TSMC deal, which is a fantastic deal, you know, going to be right now the second largest foreign direct investment in the history of the United States happening here in Arizona and what TSMC builds. With their semiconductor microchips goes into everything that we do. It's a national defense issue. It's you want a new refrigerator, everything. You know, TSMC is at the center of the semiconductor issue right now. And that's a, it's a, it's a huge win for us. But you can look at what their cost estimate is to do business in the country versus doing it back in Taiwan. It's already more expensive. Now we have to make it as competitive as possible to onshore that manufacturing supply chain, which is, again, as we saw during the pandemic, important for uh, self-home security, for, again, our economy, economic security. We have to always stop anything that would increase the cost of doing, you know, cost of labor uh, and just doing business in general here.
2: And I'll just highlight one bill in the reports specifically. There were 15 job killing labor bills introduced, but one we could put a real number on when we looked at uh, our neighbors from other states, and that's a bill to repeal the right to work. Um, and we've seen this happen in other states. The cost of repealing the right to work, a 70-year-old law in Arizona, would cost an estimate of $18.6 billion. It would dramatically slow employment growth and productivity in Arizona. And, you know, we've seen this happen it, in other states, including it, Michigan most recently. It
0: is, yeah. So I mean, that's a great point. I just want to build on this because I know some people might say, well, the, the chamber's always against labor unions." Not really the case. What we're what we're for is freedom for the employers and the employees. And what you see with some of these bills, you know, and right to work, by the way, is in our Constitution. That's how strongly people of Arizona felt about it. it's in our very fabric. So to have that removed like they did in Michigan, I think would have dire consequences. We care about this because we've seen the tactics that unions use in the past. They get a hold of if you're a, a company and someone wants to do a union organizational meeting, they're free to do that, you know, but it is transparent um, and you have the ability to, to maintain the right to privacy. If some of these things passed, you could look at the PRO Act back in Washington, D.C., which the chamber is, has joined with our national affiliates to do seven-figure campaigns against. If those had passed, it would allow private information, like where your residence is, your phone number, to be able to go to the unions and allow them to harass you into organizing, harass you, and, and kind of bully you into, into these votes. And that's just not okay, especially in today's day and age where people value their privacy. So we fight against those very hard. That would fundamentally change the culture of this state. And if you look where all the growth is, for manufacturing in the country, it's all right to work. So there's all seats have right to work at will employment where there's more freedom.
2: Well,
1: that is a really good point, Danny, because another aspect, I think, of of the freedom to work and to move around the country is that people vote with their feet. People move to states that have policies that recognize their freedom to earn a living, and they leave states that impede on that freedom. And so, Courtney, I wonder if you can expand a little bit on uh, one of the findings of the report. How much would this slow? You mentioned Colorado's growth has slowed, their immigration has collapsed um, after enacting some of these policies what was the report's findings in terms of what might happen in Arizona? What would happen to our workforce?
2: Yeah, Katie, good question. Um, We found that, CSI found that if Arizona had grown more like Colorado since 2019 alone, we would have lost 113,500 fewer workers in Arizona today. So that's three and a half percent of the state's workforce. That's a big deal. We would have lost 9.5 5 billion in GDP. That's 2.6% of our entire economy. So enacting some of these policies would have had real consequences, both for our residents and our economy.
1: Yeah, it's hard to solve a workforce shortage, I guess, if you're not attracting new workers no. to the state.
0: And I have to tell you, I mean, again, when you travel um, and you're, you're talking to the TSMCs, you're talking to the LGs, they ask, do you have the labor? for us. And because we have great universities like ASU and University of Arizona producing good engineers, they're, they're meeting the talent pipeline demands, and we have these metropolitan areas right next to where they would build these facilities, we, we are able to do that. It makes, again, it's something that's very unique and special about our state.
1: Well, Danny, I think another uh, surprising finding to me was the fact that $15 billion in tax increases were proposed in Arizona just this year. We seem to take for granted that we are a low tax, light regulation state. But as you pointed out, that can all change very quickly. How much does that concern you to see that large of a tax increase proposed through a variety of different bills, um, but just in a single year?
0: Uh, it's, it's very concerning. Yeah, as you know, Katie, uh, it was just a year ago that this legislature and the governor, and I would say this the court, you know, upheld the creation of the 2.5% flat tax for the state of Arizona, which gave us the lowest flat tax in the country. You know, I saw Mississippi bragging today about passing a 4% flat tax, about how great that is. And it just makes me makes me smile to know that we're still more competitive, and as we should be than Mississippi. But to see just a year later, I believe there was 10 bills with new or significant increases could have cost about $15 billion, you know, just in tax increases. So that's very concerning. It's one of the reasons why the chamber supported an initiative last session that um, made it harder for out-of-state interest groups to come into our state and raise taxes on us. We, we, we passed the 60% threshold, which is a talk about 50 years of the chamber. I think for 50 years, that's something the chamber has wanted to see is that super majority at the, at the ballot, similar to what we have in the legislature. So it, it, it's harder to do now, and that makes me happy. But uh, it's very concerning that people feel like we want more money, we want to spend more, let's just raise taxes. That's just not how it works. We, it's not a you know a, a academic debate anymore if low taxes and low regulations equal growth. I we're seeing it right now. You know, the states that are growing have low taxes and low regulation. The states that aren't growing, they're having high net migration to what you and Courtney were just talking about. It's not working.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. Common Sense Institute, Arizona analyzed the two and a half percent flat tax. There were some economic triggers that had to be met in that flat tax, and they were met a year early because of the growth Arizona has seen, and we pegged it at about $11 billion in additional GDP um, that the state will see because of that uh, tax reduction. So it, I agree with you. It is concerning to see uh, so many tax increases proposed just the very next year. Danny, Courtney, I want to I want to conclude with a, just a couple questions about what you see as the future challenges in Arizona. This report is now out there. We hope that it will help educate the public and policymakers, as well as you know your members and the business community, just about what exactly the economic impact is of some of these policy ideas and why the chamber uh, work so hard to advance good ideas, but what are the what are the challenges you both see um, on the horizon for the business community in the next few years?
2: Yeah, Katie, I think one of the challenges is you know potentially seeing some of these job killers become actual law, which is why we wanted to start the conversation now. We want to make this job killing report a, a regular thing to educate both businesses and the public and policymakers that policy has real effects. We have a lot of new people coming to our state, which is a great thing. A lot of them are fleeing from states like Colorado um, and our neighbors to the West, California. But we don't want to implement some of those uh, failed policies in those states here in Arizona, which is why we think this is important. Get ahead of the curve, show businesses what and policymakers what these job killers can do, and uh, make sure they're not enacted here in future sessions.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would just build on a couple of things you said and say, what concerns me again is just the state of legislators' mindset when it comes to what is the proper role of government and business. I think that we need to be all hands on deck at all levels, starting with the chamber and getting to our individual members of identifying what these bills are doing and what they really mean to the future of the economy in the state, what it means for the future of their ability, these businesses' ability to grow and to hire and to to do all things and make our state great. Because um, while they don't always make it across the finish line here in Arizona because of the work of people like Courtney, they do make it across the finish line in Colorado. They do make it across the, the job killer list in California, which is really interesting. Those bills get across. All I do is point out, like, here's some more terrible things coming your way from California this year. If that's what happens to us here in Arizona, it'll be devastating to the economy. So I think it's important that we treat it with the you know level of urgency that you know Courtney talked about, making sure everyone's aware and really just do a better job of educating people of the importance of the free market. And nothing has been a better force for good in the world than the free market and the ability to lift people up out of different circumstances and move forward.
1: Well, thank you, Danny. Let's end on that note. <laughs> I want to say thank you to both of our guests, Danny Seiden, the president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and Courtney Coolidge, the vice president of government affairs. Uh, if you want to check out our Job Killers report, it is available at commonsenseinstituteaz.org. Thanks to you
0: both. Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Arizona, please visit commonsenseinstituteaz.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on Podcatchers Everywhere or on our website under the podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.